Let us go to God in prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that we have celebrated this day. For we know that we could have never done it without you. So Father God, we just say thank you for blessing us to be a blessing to someone else. Lord, thank you for the teachers and the educators and the parents and the students and all who have dwelt in this worship this day to worship you, O gracious God. Move me behind the cross that I may preach the word that you would have for this day. Let it be a blessing unto you. Let it be a blessing unto your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ushers, I thank you for your service this morning. We thank you for the Westland Choir, Ms. Marietta, Ms. Allen, Mr. Cheatham, our late speaker, Ms. Brenda Allen, our special soloist, both Ms. Thomas and Brother Gaff, and Ms. Hayes for all the work that she did in preparation with the students, as well as young Ms. Finney. We thank you for that proclamation and testimony about what it is to have great teachers in our lives. It's good to know that God sees what we do. This morning's sermon title is simply A Coming Up Time. If it had to have a subtitle, it would be that it would say simply, Life Happens at the Well. Turn to your neighbor and say, Life happens at the well. We pick up the passage this morning as I begin preaching, knowing that things happen before you experience the Samaritan woman's conversation with Jesus Christ. I say to you, have you ever wondered why the Samaritan came in the middle of the day? Most of the other women came to the well in the cool of the night, at the sunset. And you may even ask, why was she there, and what was she coming for in the midday? Some people even said that she came to the well in the middle of the day to avoid others. For you see, she was hiding. She had a lollipop on and her sunglasses, and she was trying to figure out would anybody be able to see who she was. Can you see her at the well? Looking from side to side. I sure hope ain't nobody here. I can hardly see, so I hope nobody sees me. I don't think Bernice Moore comes in the middle of the day, and I don't think Alice Jimenez comes in the middle of the day, and I don't think, well, maybe Miss Collins may come, but I hope she doesn't come in the middle of the day. She was hiding and was hoping not to be seen. So the thing I say to you, the background of this scripture says, life happens at the well. Even when we want to hide, even when we don't want to be seen, even when we want to look like somebody else, like we want to be a detective or we want to be Kojak or we want to be a teacher or we want to just pretend we're somebody, we're not. We can hide, but Jesus 
knows exactly where we are. So the first point to kind of give you a little background, if you were to look at verses 4 through 14, Jesus meets the woman at the well, right where she was, and she expects no one to be there. If you look at verse 15, it basically says that the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't go thirsty. And I don't have to keep coming back to this well. I don't have to wear this disguise anymore. I don't have to pretend I'm being here doing something else and I'm just trying to get me some. water, and Jesus, who was meeting her at the well, was trying to teach her about everlasting water. So the first point is that in the coming of time, Jesus meets us where we are, and that the time has come in our life that we will be discovered, no matter how many disguises you may come up with, he's going to meet you where you are. Jesus continues to confront the young woman, and he goes further in the passage, and he asks her certain questions, and he says, go tell your husband, and then come back. So the second point is that Jesus confronts us after he has met us with both truth and love. She could have told a story. She could have pretended like the husband she was dealing with was her. But she told Jesus the truth. For she said, you're right to say I have no husband. And the fact that the five that I've been dealing with wasn't mine, I'm going to tell you the truth. Most of us don't want to tell that kind of truth to anybody. Let alone some strange man at the well. But she felt convicted. So the second thing is that not only do we come to a time where we've been discovered, but we come to a time in our life where the truth has to come out. And the love of Jesus Christ is still enough there not to convict us or drive us away from the well. Have you ever been at the well and you couldn't do anything but tell the truth? And you could hear your mama or daddy's voice saying, Tell the truth, shame the devil, go on about your business, girl. Tell the truth, shame the devil, go on about your business, young man. Because when a person confronts you with some kind of question that implies they have a knowledge of who you are, ain't no need to stand there and try to pretend that you have no idea what they're talking about. Because she could have really said that, well, what you talking about, Jesus? Well, I have a husband, and his name is Fred, and he really treats me really well, knowing that she was making it up knowing that she was perpetrating, 
knowing that she was presenting a fraudulent piece of information, there was something about the character of Jesus that spoke to her heart with love and said, Oh yeah, um, he ain't my husband. I'll have one. So again, the second thing, the time has come for us to be truthful and that there's enough love to help us go that way. But the crux of this message is simply about the passage between 21 and 24. And it teaches us to understand that the gift of the water was the gift of salvation. Jesus offered this woman the truth, and she wanted her to understand how important it was to worship a gracious and loving God. She taught, he taught her about the God who is spirit and how important it is to recognize the Holy Spirit through the water and how she really needed to come to understand what it meant to worship Jesus Christ in spirit and in truth. Verse 23 reminds us, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Think about what that means in your life. Think about what that means if we talk about daily worship. Think about that teachers and educators. You go to school every day just hoping to change the lives of at least one of those 30 students who comes across your pathway with all kind of different attitudes. But if you've already gone to God in prayer, you can see the twinkling of an eye of a student who really wants to learn. And they struggle with learning what's in front of them. But you come beside them and say, I'll walk this way. I'll stay a little extra after school to make sure you have what you need. And that's what I'm talking about in walking out the spiritual journey. But Jesus here is teaching the woman about salvation and about worshiping and offering God. So this period in the scripture is about the expression of truth in worship. It's not just enough to say, I love you. It's not just enough to say, Lord, you've heard my cry. But it's that reverence that we give unto God that says, I will worship you in truth. I will worship you in love. If you never do another thing for me in life, I will still bow down and call you my king. I will still surrender my life over to you. I will still say yes when it looks like I should have said no. For you see, this is the type of worship that has no condition. It doesn't mean you're worshiping when things are good and when it gets bad, you don't want to worship them anymore. It doesn't mean when your car is running, you worship them, and when your car breaks down, you don't have nothing to say to Jesus. It doesn't mean that you will go to the grocery store when you have all the money in the world and when you suddenly have nothing, you don't want to talk to Jesus. This is the kind of worship that will worship in season, out of season, up, down, all the way around. You just say, Jesus, I love you. And I worship you with all of you. In the coming of time, Jesus' timing is perfect. 
before the dialogue even begins, he's teaching this woman through his actions about who he is. She doesn't even realize that he is the one. Until they get to verse 26 and he tells her, I who speak, I who speak to you and him. She's saying, I've wanted to know this guy named Jesus and he's been doing all these miracle things and I just wanted to come to the well all by myself. I didn't want anybody to see me, but I've been wondering about this Jesus and Jesus simply says to her, I, who you speak to, is he. Can you imagine being somewhere trying to look like Trying not to be seen. And Jesus rolls up on you. And he says, I am he. It ought to shake somebody up. It ought to give somebody great wisdom and testimony that God is everywhere. He is surrounding us. His spirit is upon us. But to roll up on us. That's a traffic light. What was that place you just talked about where you got the, what was those donuts, what is it called? Uh, that bakery, you know the one where you said you weren't going to eat that kind of bread of life anymore? You know the one you said, I'm not going to drink anymore, Starbucks coffee, and he rolls up and you have a conversation with somebody, well let me tell you about who Jesus is, and he says, excuse me, I'm the one that you're speaking of, it is me to be a shock to some of us because we can't imagine that kind of close encounter. But the Samaritan woman was given a gift of salvation, a conversation that she didn't expect to have, that she never thought she'd meet anybody yet in the middle of the day in a place where she was supposed to be hiding and nobody would know her. And the challenging part of it is, it doesn't say what her sin is. It doesn't say what she was sneaking from. But it implies in the conversation that she was having some kind of out-of-order relationship with somebody's husband because Jesus called her stuff out. Well, you see, sin in its own self separates us from Jesus Christ. But sin in our actions sends a message that we are just being suspicious in nature. Check out that acronym. We're suspicious in nature. We're sneaking around, pretending we're somebody we're not. And then we say, hold up, Jesus. You, you know my stuff? You know what I'm doing? Oh, he must be the one. He just ain't any man at the well. He is the one. So we recognize that the time has come. For us first to know that Jesus is going to meet us where we are. And second, that he's going to meet us with truth and love. And third, he's going to meet us with an offer. And the offer is salvation. The offer is hope. The offer is 
that I am the great I am and I'm having a conversation with you and it really doesn't matter what the disciples may think at this point because in Romans 5 he said you see just at the right time when we were powerless Christ Jesus died for the ungodly he died for all of our sins he died because he set us free with the gift of salvation so I say to you this morning, the woman at the well didn't know that that man she was talking to was the Savior. But we, as a people who are living both the experience and living after the experience, we have an opportunity to experience a true and living God. We have an opportunity to know that the man at the well really is Jesus Christ. We have an opportunity to see him walk out with us and say, look, no matter what may be going on in your life, I'm going to detail these things, but I want you to go back and tell somebody what you saw. I want you to know that I am the great I am. I want you to realize that I can turn your life around. I'm willing to forgive if you're willing to get trusted. I don't have a conditional set of love. I just have one thing. I need to let you know that it is who I say that I am, that I intend to give you the greater things in life. And then in verse 44, Jesus says to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you say. But we believe because what we have seen for ourselves. This is a statement that the people in the town that the woman lived, when she was set free, she had to go back and tell somebody. So the time has come. When Jesus sets you free of your situation, when Jesus turns your life around, when Jesus calls your stuff out and he says, but I am the one you're talking about, and you see careful who he is. You'll tell somebody else. You'll run to the corner store and say, let me tell you, he set me free. He knew all of my sins, all of my situations, all of my upsides and downsides. And he said, anyway, I give you life. And I give it to you alone. So I ask this morning, will you stand with me as we sing our hymn of invitation? 533. That if you don't know Jesus as your saving grace, if you don't know him as your salvation, let him stand for you at the well and invite you into a relationship of freedom. The doors of the church are open. 